So it's always really good to, to be with you here at Fieldstone. It's especially good this morning. I, yesterday was a day of, of like impressive miracles for me. Uh, in the morning, I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, and uh, my aunt and uncle were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, which is nuts, right? That's miraculous. I, I asked my, uh, my aunt on Thursday night, we were having dinner together, and I said, you know, I, I get to marry couples a lot, and what, what advice would you give them? And and she said, keep loving somebody even if you don't feel like you love them anymore. <laughs> and I love that. That was really, really good. And so it's cool to, uh, yeah, a sign of their relationship. Uh, <laughs> but they're great and they're awesome. So yay, Diane and Fred. So uh, anyways, last night then uh, my, my basketball team, Duke, uh, beat the Charlottesville Preparatory Academy. And, uh, and that was awesome, right? That was it's kind of a miraculous win at the end. Yeah, let's clap that up. And, uh, and even more so, so I'm scheduled to, to come in last night on a plane. I get a call at like four o'clock in the afternoon that says your, your plane has been canceled. So we, we'll get you into Roanoke at 1040 on Sunday morning. And, uh, I thought, yeah, that might not work. And, and amazingly, two airlines worked together. Another airline brought me in and it was amazing and wonderful. And it was miraculous. So it's good to be here with you this morning as we finish this series. It's called Lies We Tell in Church. We started almost a month ago and, and we, can you, is that good? Can you hear me? Okay. So we started about a month ago and we talked about these phrases that sometimes we say in church or as Christians that, that sometimes are not as helpful as we think they might be. And they end up being maybe a little bit more discouraging than they are helpful. And so a couple weeks ago we started and we talked about the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Right, and the the idea that maybe some things happen for a reason, but not everything happens for a reason. And then last week, we or a, a couple of weeks after that, we talked about uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, and the idea that if we hate a part of somebody, it's really hard for us to love somebody. And last week, we had a a really really great message from Michelle uh, from Duke. She did a great job, right? Uh, it was really good to hear from her. She talked to us about the idea that God will never give you anything more than you can handle. And so this week we're going to finish up uh, with the last of the lies that we tell in church, even though I'm sure there are others, uh, like I'm, I'm good or something like that is probably a lie we would tell in church. Uh, somebody, somebody text to church. Is that, is that right? Yeah, you have to wear pants to church. Here, I'm going to ditch this. That's going to sound terrible. Um, all right, is that a little bit better? Can you hear me a little bit better through this? Maybe. There we go. Okay, we're going to go with that. Um, so this morning we're going to talk about God helps those who help themselves. So would you join me and we're going to pray and we're going to read some scripture. Gracious God, we give you so much thanks for this day to be able to, to worship you and to, to see you and to know you. And we give you thanks for the opportunity that we have to, to gather as a church community to reflect on your word. So we pray that as we continue to do this this morning, God, by reading your scripture, by thinking about what this means and thinking about our lives and maybe where you're in the midst of that, God, would you be speaking to us today? Would we be listening for you and would you transform this time into not something ordinary, not something boring, but a time where you are revealed and where we draw closer to you and closer to your love? We pray this all in the name of Jesus, and we all said, Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. 
The Gospel of Matthew, we're going to read uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible. You can uh, follow along on the screen behind me, or if you brought your own Bible, rock out with that. Uh, so, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, we're going to start with the first verse. Now, when Jesus had come down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. A man with a skin disease came, kneeled before him, and said, Lord, if you want... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I do want to. Become clean. And instantly the man's skin disease was cleansed. Jesus said to him, Don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest. And offer the gift that Moses commanded, for this will be a testimony to them. When Jesus went to Capernaum, a centurion approached, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is flat on his back at home, paralyzed, and his suffering is awful. Jesus responded, well, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and the servant does it. When Jesus heard this, he was impressed and said to the people following him, I say to you with all seriousness that even in Israel I have not found faith like this. I say to you that there are many who will come from east and west and sit down to eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done for you just as you have believed. And his servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus went home with Peter and saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and served them. That evening, people brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. He threw the spirits out with just a word. He healed everyone who was sick. This happened so that what Isaiah the prophet said would be fulfilled. He is the one who took our illnesses and carried away our diseases. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A number of years ago, the Barna Research Group did a poll of American teenagers. And in this poll, they gave teenagers 20 phrases. And they said, which of these is the most central to the teachings of Jesus Christ? 20 phrases. Over 70% of the teenagers that responded had the same answer, that that the, the phrase that was most central to the teachings of Jesus Christ was, God helps those who help themselves. Now, let me tell you that this phrase is something that we read about in a holy book. Okay, This is a phrase that we read, at least in part, in a holy book. Uh, it, it reads like this. God changes not what is in people until they change what is in themselves. That's how it sounds in the holy book. Does anybody know the, the book or the chapter and verse that that is, by chance? Nobody 
Nobody's been studying up for the sermon today? Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, I can tell you, it, it's actually, it's in the Quran. It's in the 13th chapter, the 11th verse of the Muslim holy book. It's nowhere to be found in this book. Maybe that's one of the first big things that we need to recognize about a phrase like this, that God helps those who help themselves. I think there are three big things that we need to understand about this today. The first is that this, did they all come up at once? Yeah, I think they did. Okay, well, no, no surprise ending there. Uh, the first is that it's not scriptural, right? It's not, it's not anything that we're going to find in our Bible, in the Christian Bible. But the second is that, that sometimes this is a phrase that can be true. So let me give you an example. If, if you're really struggling, like if you're praying to God, God, give me financial freedom. And in front of your computer screen, there is a credit card application you might need to help yourself out and click the little X at the top, right? You don't, don't do that, right? Or maybe you struggle, you, you have a struggle with alcohol. And you pray, God, deliver me from this struggle that I'm having with alcohol as you sit at a bar or as you go to, to a kegger or something like that, right? Like that's, that's probably just don't go there, right? Like there, there's a simple answer, simple idea to that. Sometimes there are obvious steps that we can take that can help ourselves out like like for example if you're if you're praying for God to help you on a test or or something like that that's coming up and you haven't read the book or you haven't studied at all well yeah you might need to study a little bit read a little bit that's a free tip of advice for our college friends um read that's it so uh anyways like you know there are some times where this might be true but the third and probably the most important truth that we can find out of this lie is that it's not about us right god's help is not dependent on who we are it's dependent on who god is That's why this scripture that we read this morning from the Gospel of Matthew is so important. Matthew 8 teaches us that that God helps us when we need help for ourselves, right? This first story, this guy has this skin disease, right? Leprosy. Uh, It's like, it's gross. Uh, Leprosy, I I don't, I didn't want to put up a picture of it because I didn't want you to, you know, lose your breakfast. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of foul, right? The, the disease. And so back in, in the time of Jesus, people were literally isolated who had leprosy. If you, if you got a diagnosis of leprosy, you had to go live in a colony, that was far away, it was far apart because the disease was thought to be contagious. And, and so people live separately. So this man approaches Jesus who has this contagious, terrible skin disease and he says, Jesus, I need your help. I need your healing in a big way. And what does Jesus do? He offers it to him, right? Jesus sometimes will bring us help. God will bring us help when we are the ones that need it, when we ask for help for ourselves. God helps us when we ask for help ourselves. God helps us when we ask for help for someone else. If you listen to the prayer requests this morning, most of them were for people we know. A lot of times we get nervous about asking for help for ourselves, but we darn well can ask for help for somebody else, somebody who's in need. Sometimes that's a, an immediate close need, right? We look at, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew this morning, we read the story of the centurion's servant, right? Somebody who he's intimately close with, that he knows very well, that's probably like family 
to him. He's praying for this person. Sometimes we pray for our family or our friends. We pray for God to help them. Other times we pray for bigger things in the world. We look at a a country where there's war or violence or maybe a group of people that are oppressed or held down. And we ask for God to help, and God helps when we ask for help for somebody else. And then there's this third group in Matthew 8 and this third group in our life that, that God helps when they don't even know they need help at all. This last group, Jesus is traveling with Peter, and he comes up to Peter's mother-in-law, and, and she's sick, but she doesn't ask to be healed. All these people are possessed by demons, but they don't ask for Jesus to cast the demons out, and yet Jesus sees their need in a way that they couldn't even see it themselves. And thanks be to God that God knows our needs before we know we need them to, right? Thanks be to God that God can see our greatest hurt and our greatest longing and the greatest hurt and greatest longing in somebody else and that God can deliver people from that. That's really, really good news. Because sometimes we don't realize we need help. We don't realize we need healing and God provides it anyway. You see, that's what's amazing about this scripture and this idea is that that Jesus' help or Jesus' healing is really a sign of God's grace. It's a part, like faith, what we do, it might be a small part of that, but, but God's grace is bigger than that. And for us to say that God's help, God helps those who help themselves is to say that, that who we are is more important than who God is. It's a, it's an equation that makes sense to me, right? Like, like if I do the right thing and if I say the right thing, I should get the right thing, right? That, that makes plenty of sense. But if you, you know, if you like to smoke a little something or if you have a record or something like that, well, you might have some consequences for that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But in the stories in Matthew 8, there's no, it doesn't say that the guy with leprosy was a really good person. It doesn't say that the centurion servant was really active in his local church or, or that he gave of his money. It, it didn't say that, the, that Peter's mother-in-law didn't have a record. Uh, it didn't say anything like that, right? Jesus just healed them no matter what. And to me, that's a really hard thing to understand I want to live with the kind of calculus that says, well, if I do the right thing, then I get the right thing. And what Jesus describes to us in Matthew chapter 8 is it doesn't matter what you do. I'm here no matter what. It's a reminder that grace is not a math equation. It's not something that we can say, well, if I have this plus this divided by this, it equals grace, right? That's not how grace works. Grace is more like a mysterious poem, It's a dance that sometimes is challenging, but sometimes is beautiful. Sometimes it's frustrating, and other times it's light. But grace is bigger than we can ever imagine. It's not anything that we can predict. It's not like a a weather forecast, right? Although those are usually wrong anyways. But but like it's, it's big, and it's immense, and it's incredible. And for us to think that we can mediate that or or something, it's something that we have control over is a big misunderstanding on our part. It's one that I've had, maybe it's one that you've had, but it's just not the truth. 
God's grace is bigger than you or me. It's available to all. It's present for all. And we're not, we don't get to give that grace. It's a gift that we receive. And then if we're doing really well, it's a gift that we can get far enough out of the way so that God can give it to somebody else, right? So that God can share it. We don't block God from sharing it. We invite God to share it with another as Henry Nowen, the noted author, writes, that he says that compassion is born when we discover in the center of our own existence not only that God is God and that man is man, but also that our neighbor is really our fellow man. In other words, maybe the biggest question we need to ask today is this. Are our words and actions helpful just for those who help themselves, or are they helpful for anyone no matter what? their background is. Is the life we live a sign that God's kingdom is not just something that we hope for in eternity, but something that is breaking into our every moment and our every breath? Because that's the kind of life that I think God invites us to live. That's the kind of life that Christ requires of us. It's a life that's filled with grace and hope, and it's a reminder that the best gift that we can give to somebody isn't, isn't something that's going to be found in our wallets or our brains. It's not something that's going to be found in our houses or our hands. It's only when we look into the depths of God's heart and the depth of our own heart that we can find the truth of God's abundant grace, and it's this, that we are loved and others are loved too. Can you hear that? God loves you. And look at your neighbor real quick. I mean, just turn turn down the road. You see the person that you see? God loves that person too. And if we were to all stand in front of the plate glass windows in front of this church and see all the cars that are driving by of all the people who maybe don't know that God exists, maybe don't believe that God loves them, God loves them too. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is incredible news. And I'll tell you this, friends. I can think of no reason why I would ever want to keep somebody else from hearing that word. God helps those who help themselves. I don't buy it. I think God helps people regardless of who they are or where they are. God sees something brighter than we could ever see in ourselves. And our role isn't to judge people, it's to love people and to invite people into that grace in a big way. A couple of years ago, I heard about a story of a a person who was traveling across the country taking pictures of people, trying to tell the story of just average people across America. It's called Portraits of America. And the man uh, was in Boston, and he encountered this guy. This is Bernie behind me. So Bernie was uh, a homeless man in Boston. And so this man found him, and, and, and Bernie saw that this man was out taking pictures. And so he called him over. He literally said, hey, can you come here? And, and Bernie said, you know, I haven't had somebody take my picture in probably five or six years. Would you, would you take a picture of me? And so he did. And, and then the man went to Bernie and asked about his story. And Bernie told him that he had been homeless for 15 years. He was homeless because 15 years earlier, he thought his life was no longer of value. 
And so he decided that he was going to end his life. And the way that he wanted to end his life was he was going to burn himself alive. You can see in the picture, if you look closely, Bernie has some scars on his face, some evidence of of this action. Bernie required over 30 surgeries. Twice, his heart stopped beating. His life was over. And doctors saved him. And he said, I know that, that God has a purpose for me on this earth. There's a reason why I'm alive. But Bernie, after those surgeries, didn't get any support from his family. And so he bounced around from Louisiana to Tennessee to Florida to Maryland and finally to Boston. And he was there on the street and, and the photographer was moved by his story. I can't imagine not being moved. And he had a little bit of money in his pocket. And he gave it, he, he extended it to Bernie and said, here, take, this is all I have, but I'll be back with more. And you know what Bernie did? He pushed the money away. And he said this. He said, it ain't about the money. Just give me a hug. And when you come back and you think you have more money, I'm not going to take it from you. Just give me another hug. You see, what what Bernie needed more than anything in his life, Bernie, over the course of his years, I'm sure had done plenty of stuff that would be obviously wrong. Trying, trying to take his own life, maybe, maybe doing illegal activity, maybe, maybe using the wrong kinds of things, saying the wrong kinds of things, and doing the wrong kinds of things. But for Bernie, and for you, and for me, sometimes all that we need to know that hope is real, and that God is love, is just to have somebody touch us. Just to have somebody reach out and affirm that we're a real person. That no matter what we've done, no matter how colored our past is, it doesn't speak to how bright our future might be. You see, for for Bernie, his reality was homelessness. His reality was poverty. His reality was loss. And all it took was one person speaking a word of hope and grace and love into his life for everything to look up. The last thing that Bernie said to the photographer before he walked away was, hey, thanks for taking my picture. It it makes me feel real again. You see, Bernie didn't do anything to help himself. And yet, don't you think that God was present in that photographer just a little bit? Maybe even more. (laughs) That photographer didn't ask to go see Bernie. And yet, God met him right there and gave him a different perspective and a new story and a new outlook on life. Does God help those who help themselves? I don't know, maybe. Maybe we can do some things that can help ourselves out from time to time, but boy, oh boy, can I tell you that I am so thankful that God's grace is bigger than anything I'll ever do. That I don't have to pretend like I can do God's job better than he can. I can rest as one of God's kids and rest in the immensity of God's love and participate in that by sharing love with another, not sharing judgment, not saying you got to get on your feet, not saying you got to get a job, not saying you got to do this, this, or this, but just saying, hey, I affirm you as a person, as a beloved child of God, and I just want you to share in this love. Because it's bigger than anything we could ever know. 
And it's the greatest gift we could ever receive. Thanks be to God. Amen.